the moon. He's rocking out on the moon. I like that one. You're seeing a whole team of psychiatrists, aren't you? Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, a new edition of 80s News Now featuring an interview with, I can't believe I'm going to say these words, Simon LeBon. With me as always, he's the John Taylor to whoever's playing guitar for Duran Duran now. Is that you? Yeah. <laughs> Times pop music critic Sean Daly. Yeah, it's a very exciting show of 80s news now. Um, you were quivering in anticipation. You vetted your questions through me before you talked to Simon LeBond. You lost sleep for three straight days, but it finally went down, and we're about to hear it, right? After a few uh, segments, we'll yeah. hear when Spears met Simon. Yeah, I, got, I did lose some sleep. I, I won't lie to you. In fact, what I used to do is I would wake you up. You lost sleep before you interviewed Robbie Gray from Modern English. That's true, too. <laughs> I can't sleep. You know what I started doing? It's bad. I, I'm, I'm going through changes. And I, I'm keeping a pad of paper by the bed so when I wake – because I'm dreaming about interviews now. And I'm dreaming about questions and I'm dreaming about good interviews and bad interviews. Yeah. All these fantasy interviews are going on in my head. So I keep, keep this pad of paper by my bed. And when I wake up and I think I have good questions, I write them down. And then the next day I look at them and I'm like, really? I'm going to ask Simon LeBon about mayonnaise. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just silliness that comes out of my head at, at three in the morning. Do you think uh, Larry King does the same thing? Yes. And that's why he retired. <laughs> Are you ready uh, to start? Yeah, yeah. Let's do a couple A's news now, uh, nuggets, and then we'll get to your Simon interview. R.E.M. called it quits in September, and the song puns just keep pouring down. It's the end of the world as we know it. Michael Stipe and the gang are losing their religion. Shiny, unhappy people. And yes, everybody hurts. All in good fun, but R.E.M. did hold the title of Kings of College Radio for three decades. Long after College Radio had died, they were an alternative band in an age of new waivers, new romantics, and post-punks, and they will be, no matter what Sean Daly says, very much missed. Good riddance. Missed. No one's given a shit about REM in like 15 years. And what three decades? What three decades were they uh, the kings of college radio? They started Spears? in 1981 with uh, okay. Radio Free Europe. Okay. There's, so one, three decades. there's one decade. Two decades? Three decades. 90s? And then like, you're, you're full of shit. 
I'm furious Why about profanities? Because I hate Ariane. You're going to have to cease with the profanity. No, I'll drop S. Come on, S bomb. It's really a profanity anymore. <laughs> it's not even illegal anymore. <laughs> I'm not an Ariane fan. Um, in the in the rankings of uh, Sean Daly's most hated bands, you know, Spandau Ballet is up there. We got the Doors. There's really no need for the hatred of Spandau the, Ballet. The red, That's a shtick. The, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, I I, I hate them. Uh, all, and then, but R.E.M. is definitely top ten. Michael Stipe was like this gnomic, wiry homunculus who was like full of crap with the blue stripe across one his tour. eyes one and tour. the stupid bald head and he's spastic. <laughs> one day you too, my friend, will have bald. Bald. <laughs> I'll be like, and you're spastic too. You, you know what the problem no, is? No, I'm not. No, he's you're Michael like Stipe wiry and weird. No, except for he's far smarter than you are. <laughs> what? That's the I'm thing. Better I looking th- than Stipe. No, uh, that's true. A lot of people. <laughs> Here's my thing. I think I don't think you connect with uh, REM because I think they're too intelligent for you. Oh, you know what? This is like there was this huge. Let's let them into everything because there's this huge fight in the newsroom. Two consecutive days we were all fighting about. Um, you know, I said I don't care, and this one woman we work with was irate, went off the handle. You're shallower than a teacup. REM, blah, blah. You know what? No, no, no. I was counterculture because REM in college, everyone had to listen. Yeah, let's smoke cigarettes, losing my religion. Yeah, uh, it speaks to me. No, it doesn't. No one knows what in the hell you're talking about. It's crap. So I was counterculture. I embraced other sh- besides REM. You don't even like them that much. I've always loved them. I consider uh, Life's Rich Pageant to be one of the top ten albums of the 80s. And then I got in a fight with somebody about how I hate Red Hot Chili Peppers, who we'll talk about in a second, too. Uh, and then people are attacking me. You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers. R.E.M. And, oh, and uh, I love this. I love this. The people are like, yeah, R.E.M. so deep, man. Yeah, these are people. You're not deep. The people who are fighting me with this, you're not deep. Don't pretend like you're deep and you know. Like, you know, uh, you know who Michael Snipe reminds me of? Do you remember the Grammys, like, was it about 10 years ago when Dylan was on and Soy Bomb came on? Remember that guy, Soy Bomb? <laughs> He's bald and wired. He's, like, pop-locking and stuff. That's who Snipe reminds me of. Really? It's gibberish. It's gibberish. Authentic frontier gibberish. That's what I say. You know what? I like the Andy Kaufman song. <laughs> Man on the moon. He's rocking out on the moon. I like that one. You're seeing a whole team of psychiatrists, aren't you? I'm seeing one very good one, but God, no, it's you've got this. You've got some anger issues. I want you to work. Them th- I want you to work through them. You don't even like REM that much. That's, what uh, are you saying? Life's that? rich pageant. It's a great album. Uh, I just, you know what? Whatever. I'm gl- I'm happy. My for band, people. my band, Epic Trash. You know, may God yeah, rest every, their soul. Everyone knows. We probably covered six REM songs. Exactly. It's am- amazing that you're not still around today. <laughs> The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland has introduced the nominees for its class of 2012. And lo and behold, there are some 80s acts on the list. Which ones? How about Joan Jett, The Cure, Heart, The Beastie Boys, and Guns N' Roses? In fact, it might be the biggest list of 80s nominees to date. Really? But, Sean Daly, are they the right names? Are they definitely interesting names? You know, and you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers is on the list uh, of people, uh, returning nominees. Uh, Donna Summer. Yeah, or 70s. Uh, yeah. Um, it's an interesting list, but again, we'll, we'll, because this is the Stuck in the 80s show, we'll address the elephant in the room. Uh, no Duran Duran, no Rush, no Journey, no Chicago, 
No Hall and Oates, which everyone gets uh, weirdo about, you know, Journey and Rush and stuff. But Hall and Oates is just inexcusable. They're absolutely the most dom- dominant, power popping uh, duo of the '80s. But so, uh, actually, the best uh, pop selling duo of all time. Yeah, I don't get that. All I don't time. get that. However, the, there's this real snobbery. I'm not going to defend the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here. But there's a real snobbery in the 500 members, all led by Jan Wenner. And Rolling Stone has always... Basically, if Rolling Stone picks a fight with you, which is bizarre because Rolling Stone didn't like Led Zeppelin for the longest time, you know? Right, yeah. Until they realized they were horribly wrong. But Rolling Stone did that story on Rush where they were basically kind of making fun of Rush fans and Rush as being like this nerd consortium, you know? Yeah. And so they have a problem. For some reason, Jan Wenner probably never liked Journey. You know, he thought they were just some... uh, Glammy, uh, you know, kind it, of footnote. Here, I understand why Duran Duran is, out of all those, Duran Duran definitely that, belongs. That's in. the one one that just shocks the hell out of me because to me, of all the years that they could have honored Duran Duran, like they've, they've come out with a, a, an interesting album, they're touring, they've done some things they've never done before this year. Uh, we'll talk about this later about whether or not this is the comeback year of Duran Duran, but it would have just made sense to honor them. 2012 would be the 30th year anniversary of Rio. Why not? Oh, yeah, why not wow. do it? Jan Winter is not the father of rock and roll. He's not the dictator. He's not the commissioner. And why he feels the need to, to spread his power over this, you know, benevolent association is beyond me. Do you know he's inducted and he's that's in the Hall of Fame? That's sick and that's criminal. And I, I, I detest, if he wants to have his own rock and roll Hall of Fame, call it the, the Jan Wiener Rolling Stone Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he can sell tickets on Hollywood Boulevard for $7 and he can pose with Spider-Man before you go in. But I'm not I'm interested curious. in seeing him, you know, exercise this totalitarian control over the people's music. You know, it's a really, really, um, it is kind of elitist group. I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You, there's one part where you go upstairs and you watch this video, this constantly rolling video of all the induction years. And they haven't made a lot of mistakes, which is not saying that they've done everything right because they haven't. Yeah. You know, I mean, the people who have made it in deserve to be in. But there are people who are have been left out that deserve to be in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, that gets us to this year's nominees. So we all agree that Duran Duran and Journey and, and Russia deserves to be in. But what about, let's address this year's nominees. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, I wrote a column saying that I believe that Guns N' Roses, <laughs> one of my favorite bands of all time, will get in and that they deserve to be in. Not a chance. And in, Go ahead. And in the same column, and no one except for one person, Stephen Q. Spears, uh, got angry about this. I said that The Cure will not get in and does not deserve to be in. Here, here's my take on this. I, I agree with you that Guns N' Roses probably gets in. I disagree that they deserve, and I also agree that The Cure won't get in. But here's my take. The Cure deserves to be there far more than Guns N' Roses. Far more than Guns N' Roses. Why? Guns N' Roses is one great album. I, I agreed. And then a history of just buffoonery. No, they had some good stuff. There's, there's an epic aura around Guns yeah, N' Roses. So, sort of, some, sort of, some bands in, are in a way, In way. a way, sort of like the Sex Pistols did. One great album and then a history right. of buffoonery. The Sex Pistols, I imagine, are in, right? Yeah, they were. Right, yeah. So is R.E.M., by the way, 2007. Just so you know. But The Cure... Did they really get in? Yeah, 2007. The Cure, to me, has been making great music for three decades. You know, album after album after album. (laughs) You and your three decades today. I know. Well, we're just at that magical point in our lives where everything is three. 
Three to testicles. Honest, I, to, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, I don't mind the uh, I, don't, I don't mind the Cure that much. I, I don't, everyone considers them mopey. I don't I don't own and a Cure album. I probably own their greatest hits. Yeah, you they're, know? they're great. I, I think I have the what's the big one? Standing on a beach or something like that. I have that yeah. on vinyl. And then the door is good um, too. I mean, they, for 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 a period of at least ten to fifteen years, they put out one great album after another. Yeah, uh, I, I will say that Guns N' Roses style over substance. Axl Rose is a nut, but I'm saying that I think they're going to get in. Just because, um, and you don't even like Appetite that much, but I would defend Appetite as one of the 20 greatest rock albums of all time. But you're right, they only had one. They had Lies, which is kind of an EP. Yeah, Use yeah. Your Illusion was a mess of a double album. But, uh, and you, you know, know what it is, it too? I think, that, I think that the Hall of Fame, they'll put them in because they want to see Axel and Slash maybe, in maybe. the same room again. They want to see it. They, right. they, want, they want to put four weasels in a bag and throw it in the river and see what happens. I mean, I think... That's what they live on. It's like it's like when they inducted the Talking Heads. They wanted the Talking Heads. They wanted David yeah. Byrne to be there and confront his bandmates right. and maybe get him on stage to play a song. I mean, it's tough for me. To nobody be... really wants to cure. I mean, the Cure is. To- if you want to see the Cure, go, go see them in concert. They're they're playing anywhere. There's there's not the panache to that. I've seen selection. the Cure in concert. I like them. Yeah, I, I had a I thoroughly mean, enjoyable time. I can see where Guns N' Roses is a more rock and roll selection, but but it's but it's not the right selection. Well, maybe the Cure will get in because the Cure is the kind of band that Rolling Stone actually did love. Right, honestly, yeah, honestly, as well they should, you know. So uh, maybe the cure, uh, Joan Jett, yes or no? I'd like to see her in. I think she gets in, but I think you know only because she leans on the, uh, the Runaways. Of, yeah, but it's kind of cute. Like the Runaways aren't in. Like you would think it'd be like a Joan Jett slash Runaways thing, but maybe the Runaways weren't around long enough, like one album. But like maybe Joan Jett represents the whole. Yeah, like I'd inducting her, in. her is like inducting the Runaways. Yeah, well, you know, um, I think eight get in or five get in, something like that. So some big names are going to get in. Come on, you wouldn't like to see Slash, and you know what? It probably wouldn't even happen if Axl Rose doesn't release an album for what sixteen years. No matter what, all that pressure to release an album, and he still doesn't do it. Why the hell would he invite Slash to come up on stage and play? With I him? wouldn't be surprised if somebody went and asked him ahead of time and said, "Hey." Oh. If we nominate you guys, if you guys get in, will you show up? Because I mean, because we need to know because we're not going to induct you and then have you basically stand us up. Wow. Well, I mean, if you're taking Axel's word for it, you know, good luck to you. Well, you know, I'd love to see it though. You know, I'm a big. We we don't agree on that. Go back and listen to ACDC versus Guns N' Roses. <laughs> God, that's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, Three decades goodies. old that podcast is. <laughs> Three decades old. Simon, John, Nick, and Roger are back on the road. Duran Duran has begun their 2011 North American tour, starting with a few dates in the Pacific Northwest, and will eventually get all the way down to Florida, where they have a gig on October 10th at Clearwater's Ruth Eckerd Hall. And while it hasn't exactly been ages since the Double D toured, there's just a special feel to this uh, road trip. A new buzz, a reinvigorated energy, I say. So before we get to our interview with Simon LeBond, Sean Daly, I ask you, is this the beginning of an epic Duran Duran comeback? Well, now I feel like I'm kind of peeing in the popcorn a little bit by saying <laughs> that, no, I think Duran Duran is... They're in a really good status quo. You know, They're picking up a, a few new fans. They have a, a tremendous fan base. I don't think that there's going to be any sort of resurgent comeback where they're number one on the charts and they're playing 50,000 stadiums again. But I think they're exactly where they want to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think 95% of bands would love to be in the position Duran Duran is. They're still relevant. They're still vital. 
You know, I, I love this last album. Yeah, it's I good. Loved it. I love that. I, I was like gushing about it in, in the paper. So should be a really, really good show. I, th- I think for a band to be exactly where they want to be, though, is almost a comeback these days. Because I don't think very few bands are exactly where they want to be. I don't even know if U2 is exactly where they want to be. I mean, and, and for Duran Duran to come off such a disaster of, a, of an album, Red Carpet Massacre, and then turn around and really come back with, with something that's just as good as anything they did in the 80s, to me, that kind of says comeback. Now, will they top the charts again? No. I mean, um, are, are there, are there, is their quest to become you know, kings of the radio again a little misguided? Sure. I but, think they'd like to, you know what, I, but you know, your, uh, I had a sneak peek of your interview and it's great. Everybody stick around for that. But I saw a little bit where, um, he was talking about how he still wants to have radio success and chart success, yeah. you know? And yeah, I'm sure they'd like to have that, but they're still selling out places. Um, they could probably, they're playing a really, really small, intimate venue, which is amazing, but they could probably go into a hall that seats 10,000. I, I, yeah. I bet they come close to selling that out. If you pair Duran Duran with, who could you pair them with? The Cure? I guess two different. Like, Spando Ballet. No, no, you could probably pair Duran Duran with like somebody else and have this killer, have easy twenty thousand. Yeah, but I don't think their egos would allow it. You know, I don't think their egos would allow. It. I mean, does I mean you know the guys? I mean, do they seem like the kind of band that would want to share a bill? No, but they would never think of it as sharing. Like they would, they you know whoever this other band was, right? Would open kind of like them, Journey, but with, with Foreigner and Night Ranger. Yeah, it was Journey's yeah, yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Absolutely. So. um but yeah, I think Duran Duran's still in really good shape. Like, and I'm, and maybe I'm an '80s boy. Sometimes I do claim, you know, to be from that decade. Um, but I, you know, they're they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They deserve all the success around. They're a great, vital band. They're not just this kind of glam, dance around, prancy lads band. They're like a really, really good, vital band. And you know, they each play a part. I don't know if I ever told you this, Steve, but I Three, interviewed two, <laughs> Duran Duran one. once at the top of the Sony building. Well, I always have to trump you, you know? But no, they each play a part. And I told you this going into your interview with Simon. Steve and I actually do work sometimes here. And I said, hey, if it was John, he would play the uh, the smirky, you know, wisecracking James Bondy and, um, you know, pretty boy. If it was Nick, real, real nice guy giving smart answers. You know, uh, Simon is, you know, he's a front man. He's a bit of a dandy. He's a bit of uh, kind of distracted by things. Very, very uh, self-important a little bit, but he's supposed to be. That's his job is Simon right. LeBond. So I think he played the part with you. I think it's a great interview, you know. Um, it's a you, short one. No, but you like the warm and fuzzies. Like they can't all be, you know, um, they can't be the ones where you super bond with someone. Like sometimes it has to be a little prickly because that's the real artist coming out. So are we ready? Yeah. When Stephen Q. Spears met Simon LeBond. Here you go. Please, please tell me now. 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 Hey, Steve. Hey, Simon. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Great. Hey, I'm an editor here at the... uh CP Times down in Florida, where you'll be in a few weeks, and I just want to say thanks for taking the time out on the eve of the tour. Give me to give me a chat. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, First question: when you're when you're juggling thirty years of material, how do you go about writing a set list for a show for a tour like this one in North America? It's very interesting because I'm just I'm just looking at a list now. Um, Well, we reckon we we thought that we, we we figured it out. We reckon you could do. The ratio of new songs to old can be one third to two thirds. One of the things you take into account. 
So we know how many. So we picked the songs that we want to play off the new album. And then we know that there's certain songs that there's a certain amount of the hits that we need to put in the show. And then we think, then, and then that leaves us with a little bit of, you know, quite a few slots, so shall we say, um, which will, we would like to put in songs that, you know, interesting songs of albums, album tracks, B-sides sometimes as well. Um, and we and we look at it, we play around with it and, and, and until we think the dynamic's right on paper. And then really all you can do is try it out on an audience. Will it change from uh, from city to city, you think? Oh, yes, it will. Um, there will be some... We, what we tend to do is have some sort of major posts, shall we say, that are stuck in there. And then we sort of lay the other the fence around, you know, in between those. So we know that what's, what's going to open the set and what, how it's going to end, probably. And maybe we'll find a couple of things in the middle. You've uh, you've had a chance to tour for a bit on the new album for a while. Which of the uh, new tunes really pop in a live setting? Uh, All in it is now, which is the first single. Um, also, we're getting a lot of uh, response. Actually, we've been, we were playing um, one of the one of the extra tracks, Network a Nation. That was that seemed to be doing quite well in, in the UK. I mean, we've only done three warm up shows really with this whole with this whole um, thing. Um, other people's lives goes down very well. Blame the machines. And the man who stole a leopard. Yeah, they like that one. That's that's my personal favorite from the new album. You were once running wild, hiding in the morning mist. In the minds I make you mine. Yeah, th- this new album's been called by a lot of people as a sequel to... Uh, 1982's Rio. What what are your memories of, of recording that album? Oh, memories of recording it. Well, <clears throat> it was Air Studios in London. Um, we did it pretty quickly, actually. Um, Con Thurston was producing it. Air Studios then was an amazing place. It's moved now. It's now in a converted church, which is also an amazing place, but it used to be um, on the sixth floor, the fifth floor, um, in a building on Oxford Street. It was above, um, it was 247 Oxford Street. I think you had uh, like a big tailoring company, like a big high street <laughs> tailoring company on the, on the ground floor. And you'd go up to the, to the fifth floor and you had the whole sort of side of this building was the top floor of it was Air Studios. It was an amazing place to go to record. Was the creative energy then similar to the creative energy when you were doing uh, All You Need Is Now? Yeah, I think it is. I think it was, actually. I get that feeling. I mean, we were, we were very fired up, and it did sometimes some, some things took us a while, and some things were very instant. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel it's, it's that much different, to be honest with you. of a challenge is it to get radio play for the new songs is that still a goal with new material absolutely of course it's a goal you want you want to get on the radio because it still has it, it's it's still the way that most people get um, turned on to music especially in this country 
Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's weird. I mean, I mean, obviously in the eighties, I mean, it was Duran Duran all the time, and now there doesn't seem to be. I mean, it's it's become so corporatized that it, it seems like it might be hard to find just the right place. Well, we we've got we got support um, from a lot of radio radio stations on this album, um, but obviously not the same not the same format as as the one we started with. You know, right? But things have. I mean, you know, you're right. It, radio has become much more corporate and much more analysed. You know, you used to get stations who just when DJs who play exactly what they wanted to play, and that was it. That was all there was to it. And you've also got the ones who were who were. Um, just you, you could only get on the station if, if if somebody paid them money. You know, it's like that as well. Uh, it has changed now. It's um, it's become much more rigid. But at the same time, you've had a, a front row seat to all the bizarre and incredible changes in the music business for the last thirty years. Is the, what's the silver lining, if there is any, to this digital world? I think it's the ability to reach a different audience. You know, I get, I'm now we're now. Getting, it's, 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 it's happening more and more that we're getting through to a, a younger audience who I think would not have got into us if they were walking to record shops and looking at the record sleeves and the, and the, and, the um, and that was their way of getting into music and not and, and, and people who just listen to what's on the radio would listen to that kind of radio station in the same way that my 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 daughter listens to well she she got into things like George Harrison and Joni Mitchell. Because of because of downloading music on the internet, you know, I've got I've got another daughter who got into Nick Drake like that <clears throat> because they don't attach any age to it. They don't attach any kind of any any kind of time. So it's not it's not it, when you know she listens to Nick Drake. It's not music from the sixties. It's not a guy with big sixties hair who looks a bit old fashioned, mm-hmm. like pictures of your dad when he was young kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I know. It's, yeah. Um, it, it's 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 just music. It's, it's, it's in a very essential form. So I think that's, that's one of the things that's, that's very interesting about it, is how, it, in a way, it's democratized music in, in, in that way. A band like Duran Duran could actually probably tour, uh, you know, forever, just playing your greatest hits. But I get the impression over the years um, that that's not something you want to do. How, how important is it to have the fresh material to play each live tour? Well, it, it keeps it, it keeps us in a certain. Um, <clears throat> it stops us from being a greatest hits band, you know. Right. I mean, that is it. That's the, you, you. I mean, you said it. I mean, it's as simple as that, really. We don't want to be a, a band who just goes out and plays the old hits. We want to play new music because we get excited by it. And not only do we get excited by playing it live because it makes the show more interesting for us, but it's also exciting to go into the studio to write it and to record it you know, and to be part of the recording scene as well as the live music scene. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually been a fan of the band I mean, literally since the early days. And I've had... This will actually be in Clearwater, the first time I've ever actually caught you live. It's... Oh wow! I, me. I know. I, I what, what's essential uh, to a fan seeing you for the first time live? What what would you, what advice do you pass along? Um, just just go in to enjoy it. Have no expectations. Just just go in there to enjoy yourself.
Well done, Mr. Spears. Can you sleep at night now? Yes, much better. You know, I was surprised by how, how high-pitched his voice is. Yeah. Hey, two things. One, uh, were you really going to ask him a qu- Did you really dream about asking uh, him a question about mayonnaise? Yeah. God, it's so weird. I wish I brought it in. I remember asking him about mayonnaise, and he didn't know what I was talking about. Because I guess he was trying to convince me that there was a British word for mayonnaise. And I'm like, there's no British word for mayonnaise. <laughs> He's like, yes, it's, it's, it's salad spread. And I'm like, there's no such you thing. You dreamt as- this? Yes. God, your dreams are messed up. I know. Um, and also, I love, love, love his answer about uh, his daughter listening to Nick Drake. Father-daughter stuff, you know me, Spears. Plucks the old heartstrings. All two of them. <clears throat> you know what else plucks the heartstrings every now and then? The, the Seggies. Could it possibly be the return of Reader Mailbag? <laughs> yes, it is indeed. You know, you never know what Siggy you're going to get with uh, 80s news now. You know, we don't do them all. It's a bit of a grab bag. Oh, put my hand in there. Ah! Sometimes it's a scorpion. Sometimes it's Jello. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. This week's salad letter, spread. though. It's salad spread. There's no British word for me. <laughs> I, I really upset him. Ah. Anyway, we have a superstar of the show uh, uh, sending in this week's mail. It is of course G.I.G., as uh, fans like to call him, also known as Gary and Gilroy. And Gary says, hey, Sean and Steve. Did he really put my name first? Yep, this is verbatim. Changed not a bit. Uh, the other day I had this amusing 80s moment I had to share with you two. It was Sunday night. The dishes were done. The wife and I were on the couch. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. And my sixth-grade son was doing homework upstairs. He came down and started to pick up his Nintendo DS. My wife said that he needed to practice his trumpet for 15 minutes before he started playing his game. Reluctantly, the boy went upstairs. I flipped around the TV channels. It was free HBO weekend, and lo and behold, 16 Candles was on. I switched over and joined our cast, already in progress. Samantha Baker and her friend Robin were in the girls' locker room. All of a sudden, we see Carolyn in the shower as a close-up of her naked breasts fill the wide screen in glorious high definition. Baroom! At that same instant, my son had started to play his trumpet again, blurting out a strangled note. My wife and I erupted in laughter at the hilarious timing of this. A few minutes later, my son came down and started to pick up his Nintendo again. My wife told him he hadn't finished practicing. He had an upset look and said, why bother if you're just going to laugh? (laughs) I realized there was an epic misunderstanding here. I told him that it wasn't uh, what he thought. There was something funny on TV. He asked what was so funny. My wife tried to reassure him we weren't laughing at him. I could tell he was really upset, as I know he is very self-aware of the limitations of his own musical talents. He started to pack the trumpet in its case. I had to tell him, (laughs) if you must know, the moment you started playing, a woman's boobs were on TV. He gave me a look of disbelief, one that said, there's no such thing on TV. <laughs> oh, there's no such thing on TV. He wasn't buying it. He went upstairs and stewed a while before going to bed. There was nothing I could do. Later, my wife and I chuckled about the moment and the sitcom-like reaction that had followed. He's only 11 now, and I don't think he's ready for 16 candles. But in a few years, I'll watch it with him. Those beautiful breasts will again fill the screen. My son will sit there and feel awkward. I'll tell him the story, and hopefully um, we'll share a laugh. Gary and Gilroy. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's why G.I.G. is a star. Yeah. 
That's why Gary and Gilroy is a star and Brad Williams isn't. Because he <laughs> writes dynamite letters. That's great. Like this. That's really, really Every good. Every Sunday night should be like a Gary and Gilroy night. Yeah, I know. I now feel horrible because his son's 11 and he won't watch, let him watch 16 Candles. And my daughter is seven and I let her watch Ferris Bueller. There's no the nudity in Ferris Bueller, is there? No, nah, but it's not the nudity you gotta work out for. It's her like going to second grade and being like dropping f bombs, you know? Because there's an f bomb in there. Is there? Yeah, is what? it uh, Cameron? Does Cameron drop it or uh, yeah. Rooney? Either Rooney or Cameron drop an f bomb, I think. But those things kind of. She liked it, but then she got a little bored. I think the uh, like all the different plot lines and stuff. She's like, oh, I can't follow this anymore. But she, you know, appealed to her because it's such a yeah. Know, snappy. She thought yeah, she totally fall, fell in love with Matthew Broderick too. So there you go. <laughs> There you go. Great letter. Send them in. Steve, where can people send their letters? As always, send your emails to stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. For October 10th, October my first 10th? ever Duran Duran concert. Wow. God, I've seen him like five or six times. How's that possible? Well, you're a music critic. Yeah. I guess that makes it possible. Yeah, I've never, every time they come through, when they came through a lot was when I was on that self imposed uh, concert ban that I broke with you uh, when we saw um, Scandal, Rick Springfield, Loverboy. Oh my God, I forgot all about that yeah, show. Yeah, it had been like 12 years oh in between God. shows. Loverboy, remember? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Well, funny sausage in a case. <laughs> That was fun. That, that was, was a fun. fun. But up until then, I hadn't seen a show in like 10 years because I, I really had gotten tired of uh, ticket prices and bad seats and and disappointing performances. You ponying up for these bad boys, right? Oh, God. 150 each. Wow. Are you VIP? Do you meet anybody? No. I get to meet the usher. Hello. My name is Bessie. Wow. Here's your were you in like third row or something? Oh, uh, I think we're in the first 10. Jesus, that's Come expensive. on, I mean, the, the one time, I, mean, I probably won't see him again. Where are they the rank on, on Steve Spears' favorite bands of all time? God, that's a good question. Top top three, I guess. Really? Yeah. I don't know who else would be. It's kind of revolving. It's revolving. Modern English, it's number corn, one. really, yeah. Who, whoever's asked your kissing that week, they're your number one band ever. Yeah, simple. That would make Simple Minds up there. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to tell everyone. We've got this great interview with Jim Kerr of, of Simple Minds. It's like the anti-Simon interview. And it goes on for 30 minutes. I, I don't know what to do with it. Steve came up to me after this interview with Jim Kerr and said, the greatest stuck in the 80s interview ever. And I predict right now that it probably is really, really good. But after you listen to it, though, you'll be like, you know what? 
It's not as good as I thought it was, even though it still is, because that's Steve Spears. Those are your uh, biorhythms, you know? Yeah. But it's probably it's, great. It's, to me, this something's a tremendous success or a total failure. Are we promising people that show next? No. The Jim no. Kershaw? Someday. Some, someday. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? I think this show, A++. <laughs> Come on. Will Duran Duran be A++ in concert? Well, you'll have to find out. On the next Stuck in the yes. 80s. <laughs> okay. In the meantime, Sean Daly, Simon Laban, and myself, we remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at tampabay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes.